0: On today's show, we're breaking down the best marketing campaigns of 2023, from Walmart winning back some mindshare from Target, to Ben Affleck sipping on some Dunkin' and everything in between. We're going to tell you why they work, what could have been better, and break down how you could take some lessons away to apply in your business. Today, I'm joined by Lestranda Alfred, who's a creator and the host of the Balanced Black Girl podcast, and she and I are going to break all of these ads down. Let's get into today's show. Before we get back to today's show, here's a quick word from HubSpot. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like, try to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron? Could it be Don or John or Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution part, at least, it brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever with an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs and a full 360 view of every customer. So your go-to-market team can keep up on the pulse of accounts before trying to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means. Better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit slash service to do more for your customers today. All right, Lestrandra, welcome to Marketing Against the Grain. Thank you for filling in for my partner, Kieran Flanagan, who is getting some much deserved R. And thank you for all the work you did on what I thought was an amazing blog post around the best marketing campaigns of 2023 on the HubSpot blog. So for everybody watching on YouTube or listening on podcasts, Lestranda is a HubSpot creator. She's the co-host of the Balanced Black Girl podcast. And she's gonna join me today and we're gonna break down some of the most successful marketing campaigns of 2023. So I'm gonna pull up this post so everybody can check it out. But Lestranda, why don't you walk us through how you found all of these, what your criteria was, and what we're talking about today.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's so fun to be able to join Marketing Against the Grain and talk about what was one of the most fun pieces I got to work on this year. So I wanted to do an end of year roundup of some of the most creative, effective marketing campaigns of the year. So naturally, the best way to do that is to talk to other marketers, see what caught their attention and see what they liked. So I polled the HubSpot media team, basically our content team here at HubSpot to see what campaigns they were liked. So I took their feedback, combined it with my own feedback as a marketer and chronically online person. And this is the list that we came up with.
0: <laughs> I want to start describing myself as chronically online because I am. So I should yep. just admit that about myself.
1: <laughs> exactly. We just got to be honest with ourselves. <laughs> okay.
0: oh, so I love that. And, you know, it's the end of 2023. It's the perfect time to do a look back. And I think we want to start with one of the campaigns that you and I both liked the most, that did make the cut for your post, and that was what Snoop Dogg did with solo stuff. Yes. And so to kind of set up this campaign for everybody, this campaign started with what was a seemingly innocent slash provocative social media post from Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Snoop Dogg's known for smoking. Yeah. He's known for smoking a lot of weed. He's got a lot of association with that. It's part of his personal brand. And he posts just an image, and he posted this everywhere, Instagram, Twitter, the whole thing. And it was like, after much consideration and conversation with my family, I've decided to give up smoke. Please respect my privacy at this time. Snoop Dogg. And to say this post went viral, I think was an understatement. I mean, we're looking at the Instagram version, and it has almost 5 million likes. Wild. <laughs> like,
1: it's crazy. Yeah. That level of reach. I mean, it was making headlines that week, too. Publications were talking about Snoop Dogg giving up smoke. It was a big deal.
0: Well, and the viral coefficient of this post was crazy just because it instantly turned into a meme. Mm -hmm. People were making all types of jokes about it and, like, what this means about our society. And it just, like, it felt like if you took a time machine to that week in (laughs) 2023— Like that was the thing in the zeitgeist. And it's very, very hard for any brand ever to be a part of like the dominant thing in a society for a week. Like that's a long period of time. And what happened is, is a few days later after this, what had happened, I had seen this and then I'd gotten an email from Solo Stove because Mm -hmm. I'm in their target demo. So I think I got added to their email list at some point that the reason that, Snoop Dogg gave up smoke. It wasn't in reference to weed, but it was in reference to Solo Stove, which is a fire pit product that is smokeless. They were really clear on like, hey, this is the value prop. This is why you would buy this ring of metal versus <laughs> just having to fire in your backyard, right? right? Is that you don't have to deal with the smoke from the fireplace. And so they had a whole campaign, bunch of creative and everything with Snoop. And what I thought was pretty remarkable about this campaign is that you had this initial post from Snoop get a ton of reach and then you connected to this brand, but you also got their core value prop. Like that this is a smokeless product. Like it's oftentimes you get that awareness, but you don't get it tied to back to your product at all. And they got both, which is pretty impressive. What do you think?
1: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I feel like this was an example of the ultimate gotcha and when <laughs> oh, totally. the ad came out, I went back to Snoop's original post and I was like, oh, that makes sense. Because the way his initial post was phrased, it was a little cryptic. He said, giving up smoke, not
0: smoking. Yes. You know,
1: there were clues there that I think we needed the full context of the ad. And to there, was, there was no
0: smoke in the picture, right? Like right. it was a very cropped image. Mm-hmm. It was like very intentional, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. But
0: let's, let's be real. How much did you feel it was a bait-and-switch? This is my big gripe with this campaign. I feel like it was very bait-and-switchy, but what do you you think?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely agree. I mean, I think it really played up Snoop's personal brand and what we all associate him with, and that is what really carried the conversation here.
0: Yes, but it was also like, oh, this is just so separate from what you thought. The joke and the, the story was that you're like, wait, If he had done this for any type of smoking product or other things, you would have Mm -hmm. been like, oh, I kind of get the correlation. You're like, wait, this is a fireplace thing. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, this isn't Google switching out the Gemini videos (laughs) and doing faux (laughs) Gemini videos on us, but it's a little bit of a bait and switch.
1: It was. It definitely was. Yeah. And then with their press release that they also came out with saying that Snoop was their official smokesman. Instead of spokesman, it was it was <laughs> yes. just yeah. There was a lot there, which to also
0: is kind of not great branding, right? <laughs> no. Because you're trying to be smokeless, so why do you right. want a spokesman like right. that? Is like like oh, you're trying just like a little too hard on this, and I get it, but trying a little too hard, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. There was a lot to unpack. <laughs> I still, but look, the thing about most great marketing campaigns is that they're gonna have some of those moments, right? Mm-hmm. Because they broke through, they were differentiated, they took a lot of risk. Yeah. But if you're out there looking at this, the true lesson here is they took the value prop of their product, which is, hey, no smoke when you're sitting around a campfire, and they basically ideated to like how to get that across in some popular cultural way. And they eventually dotted line to Snoop Dogg, who was known for smoking, right? And there's probably five other really interesting ideas they had, but they were all based in the value prop of their product, which is going to be key if you're ever trying to do a campaign like this. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And found a really creative way to to get that message across.
0: All right. We're going to skip around. I want you to break down for everybody what Nicki Minaj did this year, because I also (laughs) thought this campaign was great. I think this is probably one of your favorite ones from our pre-show conversation. So walk through what happened here for everybody watching.
1: Yes. So for those who may not know, first of all, it's important context to have Nicki Minaj, the rapper musician, has one of the most engaged fan bases on the planet. They are called the Barbs and the Barbs are so engaged. They absolutely love Nicki as their leader and they take what she does very seriously and are very quick to rally around her work, which is great. So Earlier this fall, Nicki was releasing a new album, and to tease this album, she released the album cover about two months before it came out on social media. And her fan base, the Barbs, got really excited about it. Now, this image very <laughs> on brand for Nicki. It's like her with a futuristic background. There's lots of pink. Yeah, there's... I'm pulling it up
0: now. It's like yeah. super iconic and super in her style, right? It
1: is. It's like super on brand. It's a gorgeous image. All of this pink, very on brand for her. And there's this very futuristic cityscape. Behind her. And so her fan base, the Barbs, quickly referred to it as Gag City. For people who don't know what gag means, it's slang. It's like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. Took my breath away. It Uh. gagged me. Like, this is so exciting. So, Gag City to reference where she is in this image. Her fans then took to AI to generate their own images of Gag City, creating all of these (laughs) like pink images that completely flooded Twitter. For a while, and it was absolutely wild to see. You could not, at least I could not, scroll through Twitter or X, I should say, (laughs) without seeing all of these super pink AI generated images. And then it got so popular that some brands started hopping on. So like Baskin Robbins did it, Bing, the Empire Estate Building, like all of these brands started hopping on, creating their own kind of Pink Friday two gag city images. And it just, it went wild. And it's like the perfect example of UGC, like to the nth degree.
0: Well, what's interesting about this, right, is you made the key point here is that she didn't try to make this happen. This was an outcome of a highly, highly engaged community of people. Like, she has more than just an audience, right? She has this community of listeners that are deeply, deeply engaged. But at the same time, she enabled it to happen because, I don't know about you, if I'm on Twitter and I'm scrolling through, I see a lot of AI-generated images that are Mm -hmm. just like the image she posted, (laughs) right? She (laughs) nailed the aesthetic Mm-hmm. and lighting and colors and style of the moment, right? Yeah. That this is kind of the AI-generated image. Like, if you and I were to look at this and not know who Nicki Minaj was, we'd be like, oh, that's an AI-generated image. hmm And so it just, like, subconsciously made total sense that people would go and, like, build on it with their own interpretation using different AI image tools. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And just the level of awareness that this garnered for her album was almost better than anything that like a record label Completely. could have planned to do.
0: And it was a picture. It wasn't like some big yeah. campaign. Like no. you know, it was just comparing what cover. some of the <laughs> other folks on your list did. This yeah. was literally a picture.
1: Yeah. Just the album cover, buy it in two months. And like it then took on a life of its own.
0: Well, but it underscores that the amount of work and campaign work you have to do is inversely correlated to your, your audience engagement, right? If you have a really if you don't have low awareness or an audience that doesn't care or know much about you, you have to do a lot of work. You know, you gotta coordinate, you gotta orchestrate, you gotta partner with other celebrities and other things to kind of get with their audiences. But if you have that big audience, then you just need the right, you know, fire starter for the sake of the solo stove conversation to get them going. (laughs) To get them to care and start to take some action. And I think that to me is The most remarkable thing about what Nicki Minaj did is that it seems like she was the ultimate community leader of 2023 that really enabled her tribe to go and spread the word for her.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, community managers could learn a lot from the Barb's and like that community and how they operate and rally around her work because it's truly incredible to see.
0: Completely agree. I thought... The depth of community engagement was unlike anything I'd ever seen. and I'll be honest with you, I thought the work that the brands did around it this is a good kind of secondary takeaway for people who might be watching or listening to today's show is that if you don't have you know a community like Nikki has, you can do what some of the brands did, right, mm-hmm. which was participate in that community and gain a little bit of credibility with that community, right? And you mentioned what Baskin-Robbins and Microsoft and others did. But I think that is an effective way to do it. But you have to be following the zeitgeist, the popular culture, and you need to act quickly and in a relevant way. And that's what I think where a lot of companies out there fail.
1: Yeah, agreed, agreed. Is there
0: like the last of the party, they don't know what's going on, or the execution's kind of like way too corporate, and like that becomes the issue.
1: Yep, you gotta be able to move quickly and make it relevant and a little funny, you know, so that people wanna be involved.
0: All right, we have to go to one of my favorites, which is just like the ongoing weird union of Dunkin' Donuts and Ben Affleck. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's both that Ben Affleck is a spokesperson because he was in a Super Bowl commercial for mm-hmm. Dunkin' Donuts, right? Yep. And I thought it was one of the best and most effective Super Bowl commercials, but if that was just what had happened, right? <laughs> if he had just been in a Super Bowl commercial, that would be not that worthy. Like, it's like, cool, all right, well, that was one yeah. of the best Super Bowl commercials in the year. Yeah. But they've kind of turned him into this passive brand ambassador in that, like, <laughs> he, like, served coffee at the Cambridge Dunkin' Donuts in Massachusetts. For those who don't know, Ben Affleck grew up here in the Boston area, grew up in Cambridge, but he was serving coffee there. He's, like, always photographed carrying a Dunkin' Donuts coffee around. And people love to make Ben Affleck memes because he always looks <laughs> like sad and unhappy. You know, it's like the sad Ben Affleck memes. And like, I think like a month ago, he now even has a pair of custom Dunkin' Donuts Nike dunks. Like he's a big sneaker guy. And so he's like wearing his Dunkin' Donuts Nikes around. <laughs> and it's there, there's something about starting off the year with the Super Bowl commercial and then just being constantly mentioned and brought back up because of your relationship with this, I guess, ambassador, spokesperson? I don't know what... It is cause it's weird because they kinda only did one commercial, but
1: they've done a few. There's been a few commercials actually. Okay. Has there it's, been a few? Okay. There's been a few throughout the year. It started with the Super Bowl commercial. And that was interesting because that was the first time Duncan did a Super Bowl commercial. So that was kind of a interesting landmark for them. But he's actually done a few commercials for Duncan over the year. I think the most recent one was in the fall. It was a commercial with him and Ice Spice, which is like oh, yeah. such an interesting pairing because it <laughs> I don't know. I don't fully understand the pairing there. But I think what I love about the Dunkin' Donuts, Ben Affleck relationship is just how authentic it is. If him as a Massachusetts native, there's paparazzi photos of Ben walking around with a Dunkin' Cup in his hand, dating back 20 years. Like, just a very, very authentic pairing. Yes, yes. From the first time he was with J-Lo, he was like drinking Dunkin' Donuts coffee. And so... (laughs) It just is like a really authentic pairing that when you see Ben Affleck pop up in a Dunkin' commercial, it makes sense. It's not this almost kind of random, kind of Snoop and Solo stove, kind of a random pairing. Yes. (laughs) Ben Affleck's and Dunkin' Donuts, like not random. It actually makes a lot of sense. And it seems like he's just kind of leaning into this internet persona that we have of him being grumpy, drinking coffee. (laughs)
0: Well, look, the biggest takeaway I have from the Dunkin' Donuts, Ben Affleck thing is one of the best tools you have as a business is to be in on the joke. Yes. If your customers, your audience has a joke about you, be in on it with them. Right. And the fact that like the internet love that Ben is a, you know, hole and drinks Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> is awesome. Yep. And so like Dunkin' Donuts got involved and got in on the joke with him. Right. And, A lot of companies would say like, no, 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 I want to stay at an arm's reach. That's not our brand, whatever. But that's where you get too cold too corporate. And then on the other side, you do the solo stove thing, which was an effective stunt, but it was a stunt, right? There wasn't a ton of authenticity, as you pointed out. This is like the perfect middle ground of there's a ton of credibility, clear overlap in his fandom of the brand and where (laughs) he's from and everything. And they were able to execute on it in a way that actually worked.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: Okay. We got to do one more before we close out. Let's see. Lestranda, what are you thinking? You thinking Dove or Walmart?
1: Oh, man. They have both been so great. I mean, I'm almost partial to Walmart.
0: Okay. Walk us through. Because I feel
1: like this ad was truly after my own millennial heart. So (laughs) Walmart had a really well-executed Black Friday campaign on social and in commercials to promote their Black Friday deals. And their theme for this was the movie Mean Girls, which the original version of the movie came out in 2004. It was just kind of a cult classic among the millennial generation. And why this campaign, one, was so good was because they got several members of the original cast to be a part of it. Two, it was just really well produced and high quality content. And three, They really use nostalgia marketing to target millennials, which is very, very important for a couple of reasons. One, nostalgia marketing works very well for millennials in particular because the millennial generation has this interesting position where we had analog childhoods, but very technology driven teenage and adulthood years. So it's like. We're tech savvy, but we remember life before having to be tech savvy. And nostalgia (laughs) that can remind us of that just makes us feel good and yearn for simpler times. And millennials are really important for holiday shopping. Brands want to have a successful holiday season. They need millennials because millennials are spending the most money. Millennials have young families doing a lot of shopping for gifts across generations, are the generation that tend to have kids right now. So if you want to succeed as a retailer during the holiday season, you need millennials to buy from you. So this campaign was very targeted, like, hey, millennials, remember this, you know, generation defining movie that you love? Come shop with us. We're going to remind you of the good times.
0: Well, before I give my take, I, I got to know, were you deeply saddened that Rachel McAdams didn't opt in to do the ad?
1: <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't surprised. Rachel McAdams is, <laughs> you know, she just kind of does her own thing. So I, I wasn't surprised, but it would have been cool to see her reprise that role
0: she's also on another level than some of like the Lacey Chabert and, and, and some of the other folks in that ad. But uh, the other point that I would yes and you on on all of that is that like Walmart is also kind of a Gen X brand. Mm. It kind of grew up in Gen X and it was, mm-hmm. you know, very cost focused, not quality trend focused. And as technically a millennial, I think I'm like the oldest millennial year, <laughs> if you look at the definition uh, of the years of, of being millennial, it's like millennials care enough about quality and aesthetics and we kind of grew up in the target revolution right like if we were going to go to a big box store like we think target is cool and so not only did they do all the things you said but they kind of got some of that target Mm -hmm. attention back on them yes we're like oh no walmart's cool and if they're doing an ad like that they probably maybe they have some furniture that i'm interested in some other things that are on that same level of cool and quality. totally. And so I think that really got delivered well in that ad to me is kind of like a passive side element of that where I feel like Target has really run past them in the last decade, especially the brand perception with at least millennials, if not other demos. And so I thought they did a very good job with that creative kind of pulling people back in.
1: Definitely agree. And I think a big part of why Target has been so popular with our generation is largely due to social media and how many people over the past decade have created content around going to Target and the shopping experience in the Target halls versus you look at the way people talked about Walmart on social media and it was always kind of like making fun of it and you know making fun of the experiences that you have there the people that you see there and so Walmart coming out with this kind of like cool really well-produced fresh content to redefine how we're talking about them on social media was a really Really good move.
0: Well, the lesson in here, I'm trying to make sure that we're taking lessons away from all of these really great campaigns. The lesson here is that your brand is what people think about you. Yes, but you get to control what people think by showing it and telling them different things, right? Mm-hmm. If you're not happy with how your brand's being perceived, if you do something different, you can change it. Yeah. And Walmart did that with this campaign. It wasn't just a pure awareness; it was awareness plus a change in perception, which. Yes, it's hard to do and one campaign doesn't do it, but one campaign makes a start of it. Mm -hmm. It makes a little bit of progress towards it, right? And that is what's so interesting and so powerful in this to me is that it's a reminder to all of us that if we want to be seen differently, either as people or as brands, we just got to take some different action and it'll start happening. Couldn't agree more. All right. We covered five really awesome campaigns. Before we go, in all of your research Were there any other honorable mentions, any other shout outs that we just quickly want to say, like, that was cool. Like, I really admired what they did.
1: Yeah. I mean, we can't talk about solid campaigns in 2023 without at least mentioning Barbie. And I know we've talked about Barbie a lot. I've written multiple blog posts about Barbie for the HubSpot blog. I know you and Kieran have talked about it. So we don't need to go into too much detail. But just from an overall, like, robust,
0: well-executed
1: multi-channel campaign the Barbie movie really nailed it this year, so I have to mention it.
0: It was the best orchestrated campaign, yes. right? Like just plan, deeply, broadly organized to yep. every level, orchestrated at the perfect timeline, like they nailed that. And that will be a case study in how to do that well and is a reminder to all of us that the more lead time and planning you have can sometimes be a good thing if your sites are set big enough. Absolutely, Which is pretty awesome. Yes. Now, I would ask anybody watching on YouTube, if you had a favorite campaign of 2023 that myself and Lestranda did not cover, link it down in the comments. We want to know about it. We want to know if we missed anything. We'll interact in the comments, give you our take on it. Also hit that like, hit that subscribe button. We'd love to see you on future episodes. And Lestranda, thank you so much for filling in with Kieran, being here with us today and breaking down 2023's best campaigns.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Perfect. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time on Marketing Against the Grain. We'll be right back. But before, let me tell you about another podcast I love, Nudge, hosted by Phil Agnew is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Ever noticed how the smallest changes can have the biggest impact? On Nudge, you learn simple evidence-backed tips to help you kick bad habits, get a raise, grow a business. Every bite-sized 20-minute show comes packed with practical advice. Nudge is fast-paced, but it's still insightful with real-world examples that you can apply. Oh, and it's the UK's fastest-growing business podcast.